With round-the-clock protection at a great price, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to, unlike this unenthusiastic hype man. Okay, everybody, let's make some noise. Put your hands up. Or not. It's your call. Here we go now. Here we go. Switch to Progressive today. It is electric in here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This is on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We got a lot to do. We have an Apple announcement to talk about. We have so little to talk about and so much time. Yeah, you know it's the exact opposite of that. The Apple Spring Loaded event, it, it was way loaded. We were expecting iPad minis and iPad pros. There was way more than that, although iPad mini still got nothing. First things first, though, we always want to start off by talking about security problems, and, well, if there's one theme that has been consistent on Eagle Eyes on Tech, it is that if you value your privacy, let's actually clap, let's clap along here, if you value your privacy, stop using Facebook! Stop it! (laughs) Just stop! There has been yet another breach within Facebook, and this breach is resulting in 5 million email addresses potentially being skimmed out of Facebook per day until it's patched. I I just, I can't even. It's almost a parody of itself at this point. Like, how do you look Facebook in the face and say, we know you're doing a good job out there. You're you're doing your best. You're doing everything you can to make sure that everything is nice and secure. By the way, this is also in addition to 500 million phone numbers being dumped out of Facebook. Not even sold. Just dumped for anyone and their mother to have free access to. You know those numbers are now in the hands of basically every single scammer that can possibly get their hands on them. Of course, I look at that and say, bring it. I actually enjoy making those scammers' lives miserable until they just finally learn. Don't call my number, or I will insult you. I will waste your time. And if they're dumb enough to not spoof their number, I will have their centers shut down. That is my promise to every single scammer out there. Because they deserve it. 
What was my point in all this? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Facebook still is bad at their one job, which is keeping data and selling it. They can't do they can't even do the first part. Another very odd security news. A signal and their CEO just cracked law enforcement's favorite phone cracking tool. All right, well, for those who don't know, Signal is it, it is a chat app that's supposed to be like like Snapchat where it's encrypted. They're basically a Snapchat competitor. A chatting app in which it's encrypted on both ends and supposed to be untrackable. Their CEO just pwned one of the most infamous cell phone cracking tools used. I'm actually trying to quickly skim through the article here to find the name of the software that has been cracked. It doesn't look like they're actually saying what it is. It It is the tool from Israel's digital intelligence firm Celebrate. But they're not saying the actual name of... Uh, the software. It's probably some stupid, boring name like Cracking Tool number 74 or something like that. But in any case, security news that does greatly amuse me. When the hacking tools get hack- hacked themselves. With no good transition, NVIDIA is still trying to take over ARM. Now, this is going to be a theme later on in the podcast today. So let's quickly go over what is ARM. Basically, in today's computing day and age, for the most part, I know there's going to be exceptions to this, there are two different architectures. There is what's referred to as the x86 architecture, Yes, I know technically it's considered x64. No one calls it that. Only jerks trying to be will actually call it x64. There's x, there's x86 processors. These are the ones that are normally in your desktops, your laptops. The ones, for the most part, that are made by NVIDIA and AMD. These are referred to as x86 processors and then there's arm processors arm processors are what you find in things like smartphones in tablets in like say smart watches or or routers very specialized small low power devices and such so for the most part x86 has historically always been the device used for windows pcs a lot of linux devices And until recently, every single Mac. We'll cover that more in detail. Well, the creators of the ARM processor, also known as ARM, were trying to be bought by NVIDIA. But there's a problem with this. 
There is a clear conflict of interest of NVIDIA owning ARM. ARM processors are made by a lot of different companies. Qualcomm, NVIDIA, Apple, like pretty much everyone and their mother almost makes an ARM processor of some kind. Including NVIDIA. So NVIDIA buying ARM creates a big conflict of interest and has been investigated by, well, it's not being investigated. It It, it is being, inve- well, no, I, I said it right. It is currently being investigated by many different bodies. And now the UK government finally got themselves out of bed and is also looking into any sort of potential conflicts of interest and national security concerns of NVIDIA buying ARM. You know what's actually really surprising about the UK taking this long to start looking into it? ARM is based in the UK! How did everyone else start looking into this before the UK did? Well, needless to say, the UK government has, in fact, woken up. They are out of bed, and now they are looking into it. Well, we'll see how it goes, and we'll keep an eye on how NVIDIA trying to acquire ARM is going to go. I can give you an update on another acquisition. Microsoft was supposedly in talks with Discord. Discord being the popular gaming communication app that is very quickly kind of evolved into a social media experience of its own. Well, there was a lot of reports saying that Discord was talking to Microsoft about possibly being acquired. This week, fortunately, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Discord has publicly confirmed that they are not selling themselves to Microsoft or anyone else. And they, in fact, have confirmed there was talks of a deal between Discord and Microsoft for Discord being acquired for $10 billion. Whoa. That's not a small number. So, they have turned down that kind of that kind of money, and we're going to see where they go from here. Now, a lot of people thought, and I thought this same thing too for a while, and someone in the chat just thought the same thing, that their goal is probably going to be to start an IPO or initial public offer and basically become a publicly traded company. There's just one problem with that theory. Discord doesn't think logically. Any other app like this would have already gone out and started trying to serve ads, use information that it gathers from their users... And just remain a free service that 
basically is completely ad supported. Discord has continued and still does look for other alternative methods of raising revenue. Most of which right now is in fact their Discord Nitro service, a subscription fee to have additional features. And that appears to, unless Discord's hiding some deep, dark secrets, which seems kind of unlikely, seeing as how they just turned down $10 billion, that that's working out well for them. So I don't know if they actually do plan on going public. It would make logical sense for Discord to go public, but Discord doesn't think logically kind of funny right discord acting with discord makes some sense all right i you know what we're actually going to take an early break here because i want to cover the entire apple block in one segment so we're gonna break here the apple spring announcement coming up next modern leaders it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence it's more than their intelligence that we admire what truly matters is their humanity just like modern leaders the ls is human at heart Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so the Apple announcement actually did, uh, I mean, it kicked off pretty much exactly as you expected. It kicked off first with Apple just kind of stroking their eco boner. That's the only other way I can describe it. And it's even more insulting that they continue to talk about how friendly that they, that they try to be for the environment when you look at how their stuff is constructed. We'll get to more of that later, but the first thing they opened up with was saying that their offices and their data centers are carbon neutral. Their offices being carbon neutral is stupid easy. At least stupid easy to do on a checkbox list. The data centers being carbon neutral, though, actually is impressive. Now, with that said, though, they then immediately started going into their services. They did not talk about their sales numbers at all. And I think that actually is very telling. They either know that their numbers are not good enough to gloat about. Or, you know, there was this obscure virus thing that went around And uh, there's nothing really good to talk about your stores when the majority of them weren't allowed to operate. 
But they immediately transitioned over to talking about their Apple credit card feature that now has family controls. So now you can open an Apple credit card for better or for worse and put hard limits on what other select users can use on your on your card. So say if you wanted to go ahead and put like an allowance limit on say your kids, you could do that. In addition, your significant other or boyfriend or girlfriend or partner or whoever can also be put on the card as someone who can also build up their own credit. And Apple says this is revolutionary. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea if that's if it is an earth-shattering feature or not in the credit card world. Mostly because I am not a financial expert. I can't even get cryptocurrency right. And that's apparently supposed to be the thing I know for sure, despite the fact that nothing about cryptocurrency makes sense, but I digress. So they started off with that, with uh, what they're calling Apple Card Family. All right, fine, innocent enough. Next is actually something that directly affects this show. Apple is doing a major overhaul of the Apple Podcasts platform. This actually in the podcasting world is a very, very big deal. Because as much as we talk about how, oh, well, there's this, there's freaking Spotify for podcasts, there's there's Google Podcasts for podcasts. There's Spreaker for podcasts. There's iHeartRadio for podcasts. There's Spotify for podcasts. There's this, that, and the other thing for podcasts. There's all these podcast platforms out there. And despite the fact that some of the podcast platforms like iHeartRadio are considered the biggest out there, Apple's is the first. And because of that, many of the other podcasting platforms just basically piggyback off the way podcasts are categorized on Apple Podcasts. So for those who don't know, when you upload a podcast... And you go ahead and you categorize it. There's basically a form each episode is filled out with as far as what category it fits under, whether it's explicit or not, what uh, what sort of categories it comes into comes in with, what kind of search terms it should have. There's basically two standard forms. There's the Google form, which has been terrible. And then there's the Apple form. And every other podcast platform just basically just looks at those forms and just builds their platform around it. Apple is redoing everything on their back end for their new podcasting app, including having what they're going to call podcasting channels in addition to a podcast subscription service. This podcast subscription service is going to 
let creators apparently pay a $20 a year fee and then offer subscriptions for their podcast for either exclusive content, ad-free content, early access, basically try to do what a lot of their podcasters try to do with Patreon. Now, as far as this podcast goes, I don't know if I'd buy into this. But because of the backend change and the fact that my current platform, Spreaker, has been show I mean, first off, the platform that were that that my stuff's host on Spreaker, I actually have some big problems with them. One of them has always been the twenty dollar a month fee. This podcast, despite its success, in addition to the success of the early burr briefing, my daily podcast. Basically, when all, when when its success is measured against the monthly fee that I pay Spreaker, it's almost a wash every single year. Which is even sillier because Spreaker keeps trying to push more and more and more ads on these podcasts and even trying to push, and I do mean they have been pushing hard for us podcasters to purchase ads on other podcasts. It has been a culture that it just feels like the, it, it just feels like Spreaker as a whole is a platform that cares way more about trying to make sure there's as many ads in these podcasts as there is on, say, a TV show than there is in trying to actually grow the Spreaker community. And so it's actually at this point, I, I'm actually officially announcing on this podcast I've already done this announcement actually on the early bird briefing as well this is the last podcast that is being done on the Spreaker platform we are going to be switching platforms entirely starting on tomorrow on Tuesday for those of you listening to me live right now are incredibly confused we're recording this on Saturday as opposed to Monday when this podcast actually airs. It should not mean that anything as far as how you listen to this podcast will change. The distribution network and all the platforms that we will be on will remain the same. It just means that the host is going to be different, which means that the ad content is going to be different and the way everything works should be different. If there's any difficulty, I will announce it either on my Twitter at Eagle double underscore Falcon or on my Twitch at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. We're going to be doing everything in our power to make sure it's as smooth a transition as possible, mostly because I am looking at how Apple is doing this and how the current platform I on doesn't seem to care about optimizing how things are searched in the current world 
and the current world is now about to take a radical shift. When explore when your exposure on a podcast is already bad. And there's a major change like what Apple is doing. I I just feel like abandoning ship is the correct decision. So a lot of podcasts are going to also be doing basically what I'm doing right now and reevaluating a lot of their hosting. But I will, in fact, keep you guys as up to date. And when I say guys, I mean that gender neutral. Don't 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 make it a federal case. Let's, let's, Let's not be ridiculous. I will keep you all informed as I discover things. All right. So that that and you know what's even better? All that I just said. That was four minutes in the announcement. That's it. And it's a major underlying major shakeup in the podcasting industry. Is it for the good? Is it for the bad? We won't know. After that, Apple announced their AirTags. AirTags has been something that's been rumored for quite a while. What it is, is that it is a, I'd say, I'd say it's about what? A half dollar size sort of thing, or like a watch face sized sort of device that uh, basically is a tracker that you connect to various things like, say, your bag, your keys, or whatever the heck you want. It's basically, have you ever heard of Tile? It, it's Tile. By the way, Tile is not thrilled that the fact that, that AirTags exists. and Because there's actually a lot of very interesting little, huh, neat little things kind of baked in to AirTags. So AirTags, first off, it uses a a user-replaceable battery, just a standard button cell battery, and this thing is so low-powered, it will power the AirTag for a year. Personally, my mind is still blown at the concept of Apple and user-replaceable battery. I never thought I'd use that phrase ever again chat doesn't believe me I don't blame chat I didn't believe it either until I saw that in fact yes the metal back does just pop off you just twist pop it off and sure enough there's just just a button cell in there Someone in chat says that uh, Tile does not let you replace the battery. Oh. Well. I didn't even know that. Well, I got... I never thought I'd say it. I have less sympathy for a competitor to Apple now. Oh yeah, some yeah. You chat. Uh, Apple pretty much had to make it user replaceable. 
there is no way that uh, something like this, it would have made sense to go and engineer some custom thing. It, it, it just made more sense just to go, hey, here's a lithium little button cell. Why re-engineer when you don't have to? But here's where things get really interesting. So first off, if you have, uh, I believe it's an iPhone 11 or newer, or is it iPhone 12 or newer? I'm not entirely sure. It's whichever ones have the U1 chip in them. But it allows you to use Apple's Find My system to track where it is. Find My is the formerly known as Find My iPhone setup where you basically could pin pinpoint exactly where in the house something is. And this even gets to the point of with that newer iPhone opening up the uh, Find My and it will just straight up point an arrow and about how far away the thing is for you to find it. You can basically just hold the phone out and like a freaking in-game compass, it'll just say your quest objective, aka your freaking keys. That way. Like, it, it is stunning how much innovation there there is in this. There's just one, and on top of this, let's say you decide to use this tracker for nefarious things. Well, it has an additional feature. If you find an, an AirTag that doesn't belong to you, using NFC, you can in fact hold up your phone, whether Android or Apple, and it'll bring up who that AirTag belongs to and how to contact them. There's also features built into it. I forgot exactly how the article I have in front of me doesn't show how exactly. There's also ways that if you try using it to say, track someone else, it will, first off, it will alert the person that you are trying to track that there is a tile that does not a tile, an air tag that doesn't belong to them near them. So let, let, let's pretend I am dastardly eagle and decided I want to go ahead and see what my downstairs neighbor is up to or something and i go ahead and plant a uh an air tag on their car and then you and then just say you know use my phone to track it down it will first alert my neighbor that in fact hey there is something here that doesn't belong to you So that they would know instantly that I planted something there. And on top of all this, of course, with 
Someone in chat asked, does it do that to Android phones, though? I don't know. This is, of course, just information we have from the keynote. People haven't really gotten around to getting their hands on them fully yet. I believe reviewers have only recently got their hands in on it. So they haven't gone around and experimented what you can and can't do. Needless to say, there is way more thought put into this little thing than I actually expected Apple to do. The AirTag costs $29, so a little on the pricey side. I have no idea how much tiles cost. If only there was some way, while I am chatting here, to open up a tab on this web browser and go to Amazon.com and type in tile and see how much one is. A a single tile is $25. So the Apple one is about $5 more. But in addition, Apple will sell a four-pack for $100. Okay, then. So, yeah, a a lot of other tracker systems are going to be a bit upset about AirTag's existence. It really is showing more of a sign that Apple wants to kind of grow their Find My ecosystem. And I think that is going to be what's going to be really, really interesting. How that evolves down the road. Oh, by the way, Apple also announced the iPhone 12 now comes in purple. They announced that too. I don't don't know why that was important. Honestly, the biggest crime that Apple did during the entire keynote was uh, they announced the iPhone 12 being available in purple to the song The Candyman. And that unfortunately made me sad because it reminded me that Gene Wilder is dead. Rest in peace, Willy Wonka. You live on in our hearts. But yeah, purple iPhone. We... It feels bad. I have a second tab for for AirTags. Whoops. Oh, one thing real quick. Let me bring up that AirTag again real quick. There was one other thing about the AirTags that actually kind of blew me away as far as the absolute ridiculousness of them. One other thing I forgot is that uh, when you get these AirTags, there is a stainless steel part of it that you can order uh, etched with whatever you want in them. You can get it engraved with whatever you'd like. What's really dumb, though, is there is designer Hermes AirTag cases for these that start at 300 bloody dollars. $300 for a case for your $29 gadget. I'd say if you if you were gullible enough to go ahead and get this, I'd hunt you down and slap you with a fish. But you know what? You deserve it. 
if 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 you go ahead and get a Hermes de- de- designer flippant case that actually looks like it, it looks so basic. It looks like a very basic sort of loops loop of leather. It's got a nice rustic look to it, but freaking 300 almost going all the way up to $450 for one. That's ridiculous. This is why I do not understand the fashion world. Chat says, but, but but it's art. Art's dumb. We'll get into more of that, though. I mean, let me rephrase that. No, in this case, it's just dumb. Like, th- this designer brand sort of nonsense. If you pay that much just to have something by that brand, you deserve it. You You deserve everything that happens. All right. Apple also then moved on to the Apple TV with one big major announcement coming to the entire Apple TV lineup. There is a new remote control for the Apple TV that has a better chance of not making you hate it as much. One thing I keep hearing about the Apple TV, I don't use an Apple TV personally. I literally have a $25 Chromecast attached to my TV, and I forget about it most of the time. But one thing people have griped about the most is that the Apple remote, since the dawn of time, has been an abysmal failure of a remote that has basically had the functionality of basically a light switch. Do you remember those old HP laptops that had like a pop-out remote that took up the spot of the PCMCIA slot? I'm willing to bet a lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about. A lot of people probably don't even remember what a PCMCIA slot is. That cruddy remote had more features than the Apple one for the longest time. But lo and behold... We finally have one. There's a remote that actually has a power button. They've done it, everyone. They added a power button. Woo! As far as other updates to the basic Apple TV, there isn't really one. Um... The basic Apple TV is still power in, HDMI out. There's a USB for USB things and Ethernet, but it has Wi-Fi, so it's most likely just be power HDMI, that sort of thing. There is an update, however, to an Apple TV 4K version. Ooh. And that one will be coming out the second half of May That one does support 4K. That also has the ability for you to use your iPhone 
as a color calibrator for your TV, but it won't change the settings in your TV just on the Apple TV to go ahead and give you a as good a picture as it can automatically. That's a neat little idea. I'm not going to say say like an amazing one or a game changer. It's neat. It's neat. Now, what is baffling, however, is the pricing of this Apple TV 4K. The base Apple TV that does not support 4K is $150, which, by the way, has a processor that is four generations old. The Apple TV 4K has a processor that's one generation old and has and costs $180 for the 32 gigabyte version and $199 for the 64 gigabyte version. Why there is storage on a device that was originally bragged about only streaming your content and never storing it locally because no one wants to go ahead and manage content on on their own device. If they would, they just dive down the Plex rabbit hole. Jeez, what are you, some kind of troglodyte running Plex? God, I, I, I don't know what they're talking about at all. But I digress. For whatever reason, there is, in fact, a capacity on this for reasons that I do not know. Chat says games? Maybe? I don't know. But, well, someone else with more knowledge of that than me will have to look into that. But regardless, there's an Apple TV 4K. And then we get to probably one of the more surprising announcements. Almost out of nowhere, the iMac was announced. The iMac after... How long have we gone without an iMac redesign? I want to say 11 years. We've had the exact same iMac design. I want to say 2009 was when the last one came out. We had the 21.9 and the 27, and they were just like, look how thin it is at the very edge. Ignore the bulge on the back! Someone in chat says three and a half years. No, I know it's been longer than that. The actual physical design of the iMac has been unchanged for a ridiculously long amount of time. Someone in chat says the only game you'd be interested in Apple TV is the Sakaguchi game Fantasian. That is true. You would get access to all that. The uh, the whole app, Apple TV thing. I forgot to actually look into what's all been on Apple Arcade, but I digress. Uh, actually, back to the matter at hand. The iMac. Um, its design is interesting, to say the least. It basically looks like a giant mounted iPad. It is very thin from the sides. It is colored. In fact, actually, I want to say these are the same colors that the original transparent iMac G3s had. So, I mean, the colored iMacs are back. So we have that going for us. For whatever reason, their website has them spinning in a pattern 
that is either going to make me nauseous or hypnotized. I'm not sure which, but it is driving me nucking futz. From the side, this sucker is only 11 and a half millimeters thin. So it is crazy thin. It is, of course, just like the old ones, only tilt the dust adjustable, which I think was the biggest letdown in this. Someone in chat says the last redesign was the September 14th, 2017 iMac Pro. That had an internal redesign, but the external design is exactly the same. The iMac Pro had the exact same design as the 27-inch iMac. The only thing that was different was that they just gave it a darker anodizing. That's it. Otherwise, it shares the exact same chassis. Chat's working hard to to to, to see that uh, to try and push the. Oh, it's been about three years since the last redesign. No. It's been longer. It has been way longer. The closest you're going to get is the like little things like that or like adding a port or little internal blips. Even the thermal solution has remained mostly the same on the inside. The iMac Pro was the closest they got to upgrading the thermal solution by adding an additional fan to their Frickin' 30-watt cooler. But back to the present. This thing only weighs 10 pounds, and that is going to play a big role later when you start looking at some of the connectivity. As expected, this sucker only has USB ports for the most part. And then on top of that... This thing has an external power power adapter. But the most baffling thing about its design is the front. From all angles except the front, this iMac looks great. But for whatever reason on this iMac that promotes its color... You get a white bezel around the screen, regardless of whatever color you pick. And you have a chin. You have an additional thick bezel on the bottom of this thing. So they got it stupid thin, but there's a huge chunk of dead space on the front. Why? What's even sillier is that, at least in the past, they decorated the chin with an Apple logo. The Apple logo is gone. Someone in chat is actually exactly correct as to why there's a chin. They made the blasted thing so thin, they couldn't fit the computer behind the monitor. That chin, I'm not even kidding, houses the entire motherboard... All of the speakers and 
the twin fans that cool this SOC. As expected, this iMac does in fact run with Apple's own M1 system on a chip ARM processor. The one that's in their MacBook Air, their 13-inch MacBook Pro, and their iMac. Or their, I'm sorry, their Mac Mini. Well, now their iMac. The thing is basically a tablet processor on steroids. But rather than making the the system a little bit thicker, and they could have even gone the extra mile, made it like a millimeter or two thicker, put the entire system on the back, and then use the entire aluminum back as a passive heatsink for the whole system. They didn't even need to put a fan in. They could have passively cooled this whole thing because there's a big old giant aluminum heatsink on the back. But instead, they opted to put the whole computer in the chin. That seems bizarre to me. They could have also just on the stand itself. They could have put the whole computer in the stand, too. And then done done something very original, like... Kind of like the old Sunflower G4 Mac. But no. Instead, we just get this chin. So now, the only side of the computer you as the user will see is the worst looking side of this computer. So that's the first problem with this iMac. Now, one thing that a lot of people were very puzzled by is that this sucker has its power connect magnetically. Why? Why does the power cord attach magnetically? The dang thing is 10 pounds. It's only slightly heavier than most laptops. Could you imagine if you accidentally snagged your foot on the power cord? You could yank the whole thing down by accident. That's why it's magnetically attached. On top of that, the the whole thing's so blasted thin, they probably felt that the the small connector they have there wasn't big enough. And then on top of that, we have the return of the external power brick. The power supply is not built into the Mac. No surprise with how thin they got it. Now, the actual power adapter, I actually want to see if the tech specs is going to admit what wattage the power adapter is. I got a feeling it won't. Uh, 
operates between 100, 100 volts and 240. That's not where we're after. It is a 143 watt power adapter. That's actually way higher than I expected. Kitty unplugs power cord, someone in chat says. Oh, God, that'd be awful. In addition to this, they also redesigned the wireless keyboard and mouse. And mostly the only thing they added was color. Now, let's be honest. A lot of you Mac users out there, when I said the keyboard and mouse got updated, your eyes lit up and it's just like, oh! Did they put the power port for the for the mouse somewhere that makes sense? Can I finally charge my mouse and use it at the same time? No. The power port for the mouse is still on the bottom. I still haven't learned! How? How are they this dumb? And of course, the thing is more narrow than your almost gone bar of soap in the shower. You know, on top of all that. Oh, and if you thought you were going to use this thing for accounting work, there is no number pad. There is no option of this keyboard with a number pad still. But this isn't the most bizarre choice of the iMac oh no that goes to the options you see the iMac comes in three different flavors we have the basic model which only comes in four colors by the way blue green pink which is more red than pink and silver and actually has a gimped down processor it uses an M1 chip with an 8-core CPU and a 7-core GPU, 256 gigs of internal storage, which seems bad until you realize the 21-inch iMac that this replaces was so bad that it only had 128 and 26 gig SSD storage at most, and then after that, you had nothing but physical hard drive options. The screen, by the way, is a 4.5K display. So at least the display for the money you're paying is going to look fantastic as long as you can ignore the fact there are blinding white borders on it. This basic 7-core GPU model only has two Thunderbolt ports and no other ports other than the headphone jack on the side. See, Apple can do it. They can include a headphone jack. It's a Christmas miracle. It does include a basic magic keyboard and basic mouse. But there's no Ethernet on the low-end model. Why fi only? Well, what kind of Wi-Fi? Well, fortunately for us, it is, in fact, Wi-Fi 6. So, Wi-Fi 6 is supposed to be a version of Wi-Fi that has 
way less interference than other versions of Wi-Fi. So at least we have that going for us. So maybe you won't need the Ethernet. Maybe. However, this gets more baffling. So that version, the basic version, is the $1,299 version. For $200 more, you get an 8-core GPU. By the way, the only benchmark we got as to how good the M1 GPU is, is console-grade graphics TM. Whatever the heck that means. It could mean Nintendo Switch graphics, in which case you're doing 720p at 30 frames per second. It could be PS5-grade graphics. It could be a original NES graphics. I don't know, but it's console-grade graphics. Whatever the heck that is, it's got it. Chat saying Atari PS2. Oh, yeah, and the basic model only comes with 8 gigabytes of RAM. In fact, all the models only come with 8 gigabytes of RAM. This gets more amusing when we move on to the next announcement. But the next step up, 8-core GPU, but still console-grade graphics, whatever that means, comes with two Thunderbolt and two USB 3 ports. And before you get your hose up, that's USB Type-C. Sorry, you're still going to have to go ahead and get a dongle to convert that USB-C to something practical. It comes with a magic keyboard that has Touch ID built into it. And it comes with an Ethernet port, but only gigabit. Yeah, that 10 gig the other iMac had, pff, you don't deserve that. Only gigabit here. Interesting enough, though, the gigabit is built into the power adapter. That's actually kind of a creative design. I actually hate that less than I should. What I hate is the fact that this one freaking dollar, if that freaking gigabit Ethernet port, I have to shell out 200 additional dollars for it. Why? Why is it not just built into the, all the power adapters? Freaking eco friendly company here wants to go ahead and litter the, the landfills with these power adapters that are freaking worthless without gigabit ethernet ports so that they can be upgraded down the road. Look how eco-friendly they are! It's moments like, it's, it's little things like that that really kind of tick me off every single time one of these Apple Keynotes opens by saying how eco-friendly they are. And then they do nonsense like this that makes literally, not figuratively, but literally no sense. But I digress. The magic keyboard the magic keyboard that comes with this $1,500 model does have Touch ID in it, which can be used for various biometrics built into it, which makes me just wonder, considering the fact the Touch ID sensor is... What, like $30 extra? Why didn't they just build it into the... Whatever. It's probably not even that. It's probably like, what, a $3 part? Including their custom chip? Actually, that might be why there's there's not a magic keyboard. There's not there's versions with and without because of the chip shortage. That actually could be. 
But in any case, um, for the most part, it's all an M1. It's 2D6 to 512 gigabytes of storage. It's always 8 gigs of RAM. If you're hoping for more, you're SOL. And of course, because it's all in SOC, there is a 0% chance you're going to upgrade it. Now, why are these specs absolutely hilarious? By the way, that higher-end version, those come in blue, green, pink, which is more red, silver, yellow, orange, and purple. The reason these iMac specs are even more laughable is because of the new iPad Pro. The iPad Pro now runs on the same Apple M1 chip. And you know what's even better? The iPad Pro M1 chip runs on with the 8-core CPU and 8-core GPU version of the chip. So, as far as CPU and GPU performance, on par with the high-end iMac... And has the option to have 16 gigabytes of RAM. So double the RAM of Apple's highest end current desktop. Oh, and more storage too, because you can get it with either 128, 256, 512 gigabytes, or one or two terabytes of storage on your iPad. Oh, yeah, the cameras are updated on the iPad Pro as well, but you shouldn't use them. If you actually do use your iPad Pro as your daily camera, I will find you and I will beat you with your iPad. No. Bad. But that's not even the craziest part about the iPad Pro. The screen is... So we have two versions of this iPad Pro, the 11-inch and the 12.9-inch. The 11-inch has a standard liquid retina display, which clocks in at, at uh, 2388 by 1668 resolution, which is a re- respectable resolution for an 11-inch screen. Like, really, really good. But their 13-inch is using very similar technology to their Pro XDR display. This sucker has a thousand nits max brightness with incredible color accuracy, incredible refresh rate, and 270 to, I'm sorry, 2732 by 2048 pixel resolution. This sucker is an incredible mini LED backlight display. But there is one huge, major elephant in the room. Pro- oh, and by the way, both of these iPad Pros have a Thunderbolt port on the bottom instead of just a basic USB-C. But there's two huge problems with this iPad Pro. 
two enormous problems. You've got the you've got the horsepower, you've got the support, but it runs iPad OS. The iPad Pro is the most powerful computer Apple has in their Apple Silicon lineup. But it is the most limited because it runs iPad OS. Doesn't that just say everything about Apple right there? The most powerful computer they have. And it can't do squat. All because it's an iPad. The second problem is actually what someone just mentioned in the chat. There has been a problem with the most recent design of the iPad Pro. And that is, in fact... There is almost nothing structural inside the iPad itself except for the frame of it, which has a medic, a magnetic connector right in the middle of it, which then puts a giant plastic piece in the middle of the metal frame and a microphone hole exactly opposite to it, which creates a giant structural flaw, which has caused the iPad Pros to bend during shipping. Just in shipping, these suckers have bent. Which means if you keep these out of a case, there is a serious risk that one mess up and you could accidentally break this thing in half. And in fact, YouTube stress test extraordinaire Jerry Rig everything has snapped two of these iPads in half. Well, guess what? These structural flaws are still there. And still in the exact same bloody spot. The same spot! You redesigned everything! Unless they've done some finagling in the middle, I expect when Jerry Rig Everything gets his hands on one of these, he is going to snap it in half as well. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you on this. I have a hard time recommending this device for anyone. Who is this device made for? Professionals? Well, I mean, maybe. The iOS probably has better Adobe Photoshop support than currently Mac OS does. Maybe it's just made for the Adobe crowd and no one else. Concerning the fact that Mac OS has been, that, that Adobe has had trouble getting support for their creative suite on Big Sur to work. And finally, I just want to go back to the promise that Apple ended with. They want to try and make every single product carbon neutral by 2030. 
while simultaneously, at the same time, making every single device have planned obsolescence with terrible flaws built into them that they refuse to address. Still, to this day, to keep preaching about being as eco-friendly as can be while over and over and over again get in the way of everything that is right to repair. And you notice it in the tech space. People are getting more and more fed up with this, especially since more and more and more of the computers that Apple is building is basically a single processor, the M1. And everything is built into the M1 so that if one thing goes wrong, the whole board is scrap. just remember that they can try and say we're carbon neutral but until they look at the fact that they have these devices that are planned to die to line their own pocketbook their claims of environmentalism should in fact be looked at as being completely and utterly tone deaf and I for one am not some sort of eco hippie or anything of that nature I just look at what they're doing and how they continue to preach environmentalism while blatantly underlying blatantly making sure that there is no way their old products can see a second life and over and over again making sure that devices, once they break, they are dead and end up in a landfill. But hey, we're carbon neutral. Despite the fact that they're only carbon neutral with 27 different asterisks behind the claim. Do not forget that we're gonna take a break here when we come back we have the rest of the podcast to do including crypto news some other very interesting mac news as far as content you own and much much more modern leaders it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence it's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. What does carbon neutral mean if your carbon footprint and what you're doing for e-waste negates all of it? The amount of e-waste you produce is still part of your carbon footprint. Well said, chat. Well said. Meanwhile, while Apple is looking for ways to ruin on the side of physical hardware, not content with that, they look to the software side as well. A man was found violating Apple's terms of service. The article does not specifically say how, but basically his entire Apple ID account was terminated for this breach of service, which locked him out of $24,000 worth of content that he bought through the service. You want to know why lunatics like me go ahead and breathe second lives into off-lease server equipment to make a Plex server? It's this right here. This kind of nonsense. The fear that you go ahead and spend this amount of money to have, oh, don't worry, you have access to that movie in the cloud or whatever. Up, oh, JK, no you don't! 24 grand of apps, videos, movies, and whatnot down the drain so yeah apple or this man let me actually find his name here in the article matthew price is suing apple because apple has in fact terminated his access to the content that he has purchased, that he has, as Apple said, bought from them. Needless to say, this is going to be a very interesting one. This is going to be a very interesting little piece of work to keep an eye on. In addition to that, there is another lawsuit on the side... Uh, on another front, because of the way Apple says the, uses the word buy. They're two sides of the same coin, this case and the other. Basically just saying, hey, if in fact we're not buying, but instead getting it in a... a indefinite lease on this digital content should you be using the word buy well that's going to be a fun one to see how that goes we'll just have to wait and see how uh how those cases go, go out meanwhile though Speaking of what is and isn't environmentally friendly, Venmo is getting in on the cryptocurrency game. You can now buy, hold, and sell cryptocurrency within the Venmo app for as little as a dollar. In fact, a lot of 
different platforms are uh, are getting in on the cryptocurrency game. Well, that's uh, that's getting very interesting. In fact, actually, these moves is causing some major shakeups in the cryptocurrency world. Uh, Bitcoin dropped. I'm not even kidding. It dropped ten thousand dollars. It actually dropped all the way below fifty thou. Ethereum flirted with two k for a while. Dogecoin was rumored that that everyone stepped trying to go ahead and push Dogecoin up to a dollar. And well, because of everything trying to support Dogecoin. And now people could go ahead and sell that cryptocurrency as casually as they'd like that dipped the value of Dogecoin as well. A lot of cryptocurrency actually dropped. And actually gave a look like the cryptocurrency boom was over. This also coincides with the fact that many different outlets, many different governments, I should say, are looking into regulating cryptocurrency more and this also caused the price of cryptocurrency to tank chat says don't worry dogecoin is back up to 27 cents but that's just it it was holding solid at 30 and it's only barely creeping its way back up. And it's it's very, it's not a good hold at 27 cents. It keeps fluxing up and down. I'm glad I got out of, out of uh, Doge when I did. Just made my money back and bailed. So the whole crypto world is getting more and more interesting. Chat's trying to meme, it's good to hold at a dollar. Hold those until a dollar. I don't think it's going to go up to a dollar. Here's the unfortunate truth about Dogecoin. The fact that you can mine it at infinite really makes it that the only way Dogecoin's price can go up is with hype. That's it. That that's all you can do. That's that's the only way it can go up. Because I can just go ahead, just take the GPUs that don't exist, just mine Dogecoin, and the more you mine, the more the value goes down. Because the more 
of the coin exists, which lowers its value. Same concept with with inflation with normal dollars. It just is what it is. Now, in the world where everyone's trying to get their hands on GPUs for mining, there is a new cryptocurrency, Chia, that uses storage to mine cryptocurrency. Oh, boy. So now there's a worry that SSDs and hard drives are going to vanish as a result of this. Did I report this last week? I don't know if I reported on this last week because this this the story was published on Monday. Maybe I did, and I got a different one. Oh, that's right. It was from Tom's Hardware first. Needless to say, though, you are starting to create a concern with this. Because on top of all that now, hard drives could start vanishing. SSDs could start vanishing. The only thing that can make this worse is if high-end CPUs could be used for cryptocurrency at a at a decent amount. Zona Chat says there's already a shortage of these parts in Asia. Well, there's a shortage of a lot of parts everywhere because every Here's the other big problem in all this. There is a chip shortage. People are buying RAM also for this uh, cryptocurrency, says someone in the chat. I don't think so. That wouldn't make sense. Because it's a cryptocurrency that's based on storing data for the blockchain. Why would RAM be necessary for that? If anything, for that kind of blockchain supporting, RAM would be a hindrance. RAM helps you create the plots that are used in the storage. Well, yeah, but then you'd only need a certain amount to start with. It's not like anyone's going to go ahead and buy up, like, terabytes upon terabytes of RAM to go ahead and plot hard drives. That doesn't make sense. I don't I don't be, I don't believe this claim. This claim doesn't make logical sense. But then again, everything with crypto doesn't make logical sense. Someone in chat says creating the plots is the slowest part. Nah. I don't know. That doesn't make sense.
No, no, that wouldn't be that can't that literally can't be the bottleneck. The storage controller would be the bottleneck. No, I reject this notion that that RAM is essential for making this cryptocurrency. That's dumb. That makes no sense. The the storage controller would by far be the bottleneck, not the amount of RAM in the PC. That makes no sense. The more and more I think about it, the less and less high amounts of RAM for this Chia cryptocurrency makes sense. By far, the storage controllers would be would be the slowest part, like without a doubt. It's either that or the actual hard drives themselves. Yeah. Anyway. So there's that that's causing problems. And on top of that, you have the chip shortage going in and playing a role in all of this. Because, of course, hard drives need chips on the actual control board. Chad is still trying to claim that RAM speeds up the creating plots. No, the bo- the the freaking storage controller would still be the freaking bottleneck. All right, let's pretend I go ahead and I do something stupid. Let's pretend I have a terabyte of RAM. Let's pretend I did that, that I have a terabyte of RAM. It doesn't matter if I have a terabyte of RAM and then freaking... 100 terabytes of storage to go through it doesn't matter because the freaking storage controller can only communicate with the drives at let's even say i got like a stupid high-end controller let's say let's say i have sauce 12 that's gonna be the maximum speed that i can make plots at is going to be that SOS 12 connector, which is going to be at, what is SOS 12 anyway? Want to say like 12 gigabits a second? Jazz has 100 gigabyte plus. Then how is RAM going to help? I'm being fed BS. I th- This is literally BS. 100 gigabyte plot can take a day day to make. Then how is RAM going to help? I apologize for the sound of my ice cubes constantly being picked up in the mic, but man. All right. While chat is trying to make me think that RAM is in danger and failing to do so because it doesn't make logical sense still. We have here more rumors of uh, basically everything we'd ever want to know about the RTX 2080 Ti coming out. Yet another GPU that no one's going to be able to buy. Chat's, chat is insisting that RAM disk. 
so the cryptocurrency will fail then. Because if that many people go ahead and make a RAM disk, it's just going to eventually collapse in on itself. <laughs> it's it's dumb. It makes it, a hundred gigabyte plot making a day to make such a dumb freaking cryptocurrency. In any case, RTX 3080i, basically everything you would ever want to know is leaked about. But show of hands actually right now, who actually cares about the 3080ti? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Yeah, it no, nobody cares. I don't get what's going through Nvidia's head. Nvidia's ability to be tone deaf on the current situation is kind of surprising. It really is. Nvidia knows there is no way they are going to make enough of these GPUs for anyone to buy. The supply of the GPUs is so bad that not only are scalpers buying up these GPUs before anyone has a chance to, and then, of course, doing what scalpers do best and inflate the price dramatically. But even the shops... Scalping. No GPU right now can be purchased at a reasonable price. None. Zip. Zero. Nada. Not a single one. So who actually cares that there is, in fact, a stepping stone between the RTX 3080 that can be bought at the low, low price of your right kidney and the RTX 3090 that can be bought for the low, low price of your other kidney. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. And you know what's even worse? You know what's even worse and what's even more and more infuriating about the leaks of the RTX 3080 Ti? The only benchmark that has been shown off besides the fact that this GPU apparently has 10,240 CUDA cores is in fact... Benchmarks showing how good the RTX 3080 Ti is at Ethereum mining. Doesn't that say it all right there? It's incredible. 
absolutely incredible. The fact that even the review sites that used to actually care whether a GPU was good at gaming or at video editing or at any other kind of professional compute now only shows what its hash rate is at mining Ethereum. And what's even better is that NVIDIA insists that this GPU and others like it are going to have a brand new Ethereum blocking tool in place to make sure that this GPU cannot be used to mine Ethereum. But let's be honest, the only people, the only people who are actually going to go ahead and get their hands on an RTX 3080 Ti are, in fact, the cryptocurrency miners, because who cares? $2,000 for the GPU? Oh, I'll make that back in three months of mining. Let's go. This is the worst part of it all. It is the feeling of helplessness for anyone who actually uses a computer to do something other than mine a cryptocurrency. Because in the real world of scalping, what should happen is scalper buys card using bot, try to sell it at an inflated price, no one buys it because that price is ridiculous and not worth it, and then eventually scalper gets burned because supply catches up with them, and they now have to sell it at either the price they originally bought it for or less because it is a pre-owned out-of-warranty part because they hung on to it for so long. But because of cryptocurrency mining, because of cryptocurrency mining and the fact that the crypto miners don't care what the price is, just what the return on investment is for them, the scalpers get supported and the cycle continues and the people who lose is the people these GPUs were originally built for. That is what is the most infuriating part about this. What's that? You're a PC gamer? Oh, well, you can't get anything. I hope your freaking GTX 1060 you bought off your bro still works. Oh, you're a video editor? Well, I'm sorry, but any GPU you wanted is not available anymore. Oh, you're an AI designer? Oh, I'm sorry. Cryptocurrency miners bought bought up the, the new uh, RTX cards, so you can't use those nice Turing cards for your AI design. What's that? You're a healthcare professional and you need a quadro card to go ahead and work and work with your uh and work with your MRI machine? Oh, I'm sorry. Those are gone too. But hey, if you're NVIDIA, who cares? Release a 1080 Ti. At least your paycheck looks good, doesn't it? And you're just going to go ahead, you're going to throw out this freaking unhackable Ethereum crypto lock, just like the last one. How well did that last one go again? Oh yeah, it was dead in a week. I'm sure your next one's going to last longer, eh? 
And heck, NVIDIA, you said you were going to go ahead and launch these crypto-exclusive cards. And that was going to be the saving grace for everyone else that's trying to do actual work with a GPU. Where are those? Huh, NVIDIA? Where are they? Nowhere. The only time we've seen any glimpse of them was a leak. That's it. Literally. That's it. So go ahead, NVIDIA. Please keep launching new GPUs. What does it matter? None of it matters, really. Heck, why not? Why not just re- release a, the 3070 Ti while you're at it in June, too? I'm sure that'll go over great, too. Hey, look. Hey, look, everyone. A 3070 Ti. I'm sure that'll be in stock. You hear my frustration in, in my voice. You can feel it in my voice. How many of you feel that same frustration? And the best part about this frustration, it crosses professional lines. It doesn't matter whether you're a gamer, a video editor, a scientist, a VFX artist, or heck, since this problem is affecting literally the entire computer industry, it doesn't even matter if you're just an accountant. The instant you learn what is going on the instant you start learning that this whole cryptocurrency thing is causing a whole lot of problems in the GPU space in the computer power supply space and heck if it does the same to the storage space What's that going to make everyone's opinion of cryptocurrency? Heck, the artist community right now is actually having a big, big, big beef with crypto in the form of NFTs. You can actually see this quite a bit in the independent art community. The biggest gripe right now and the biggest thing that a lot of people are coming to the to the face of the NFT community especially is coming to the conclusion that that NFTs that support this blockchain are inherently bad for the environment and honestly 
honestly, NFTs themselves are not bad for the environment. The blockchain supporting all NFTs and all cryptocurrency, on the other hand, is because it is sucking a ton of power to sustain all of it. NFTs on their own are just piggybacking off this giant infrastructure for cryptocurrency that already exists. And this is an issue that is eventually going to have to be addressed. And the fact that it is also helping to exacerbate a massive computing component problem is not helping the case of anything involving crypto. Isn't that great? All of a sudden, as cryptocurrency starts to get a massive foothold in mainstream public, many, many more people are starting to come to the realization that the way cryptocurrency is done currently, involving massive high-end components, sucking tons upon tons upon tons of power, may in fact be the biggest problem. And then, of course, in the NFT community as well, there is also the huge problem that the same sign, the same kind of immoral people that go ahead and try to scalp just go ahead and just steal art and then sell NFTs to them to make a quick buck. Plagiarism is a huge problem in the NFT world right now, and it is one that basically no one wants to address. Because the people who are against NFTs are hung up on the whole concept of NFT bad for environment. When it's not inherently, it's just the blockchain that powers it all is bad for the environment and needs to be looked at being done more efficiently even though that is not an issue that anyone in the crypto current current in the crypto world wants to even acknowledge as an issue. And then of course, those who are in favor of NFTs are just saying, well, you, you guys are crazy for the same reason I just did because NFTs don't put as much of a stress on the blockchain as people are led to believe, even though the blockchain as, as a whole does put a massive strain on everything. But then of course, it doesn't help at all that NFTs are just being done at pretty much whenever. And there is no verification to see that when NFTs are made, that the person making the NFT is even the owner of the art that is being made into an NFT. Did I even say in this entire rant what an NFT is? An NFT is basically a token that cannot be duplicated because it's made in the blockchain, marking a piece of art or whatever as a unique item. It's basically the way of making a digital piece of art and making it an original in a similar way that old paintings are considered, or non-digital paintings, I should say, are considered an original or a copy. 
But of course, if no one texts to see if you own or anything or not, who cares? Heck, in the NFT world, I could just go ahead. I'm in a Discord full of artists. I could just go ahead and just grab any piece of art, just make an NFT of it. Boom, quick buck. Except I'm not going to do that because I'm not a terrible person. But that doesn't stop others. Oh, and do you want to make things even worse? How's this for making things even worse? Keep in mind, the following I'm about to say is a Reddit post. The following is a Reddit post, all right? Let's get that out of the way. This is a Reddit post. It may not be accurate, but if it is accurate, this is a big issue. Actually, it was deleted. So, all right. I just had to go go over real quick and see why the post was in fact deleted. The original post was saying that that Canada Computers, which is a basically a new egg competitor, they sell a whole lot of computer components. The post was by a supposed employee within Canadia Computers that said that Canadia Computers were hoarding computer parts and using them instead of selling them at MSRP to instead sell them at marked up pre-built that they all of a sudden started selling and just basically intentionally kept their entire GPU stock out of stock in favor of higher margin pre-built that they previously did not do the post has now since been deleted by moderators because people on reddit decided to go ahead and start harassing canada canada computers i actually almost said canadia again so mods have in fact deleted the post to stop the harassment there is no word on whether the original poster spread misinformation or not there is no current information but needless to say people are really really ticked off by this can you blame them all of a sudden it's revealed that hey instead of you know doing the thing we were supposed to we just secretly built pre-builts instead and just kept everything out of stock because no one would ever know because stuff sold out immediately anyway. Ooh, that is not a good look. That is not a good look. I think we need a moment to cool off. When we come back, we have a bunch of silly stories. Some stories about Xbox, some fascinating stories about YouTube, and, of course, the college that got banned from Linux. Ooh, boy. <laughs> Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. 
the new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm I'm Eagle Falcon. Real talk, though, I don't have the heart rate amount anymore, but my heart rate actually was, like, kind of high during that entire rant about GPUs. Fortunately, it's now back to normal. But it's kind of funny how very easily this whole scenario with GPUs just gets me so worked up and it it really is just the helplessness that is really just the height of infuriating it really really is xcloud gaming is now reaching a limited beta for apple and pc devices starting on weed day or doge day where doge didn't actually rise like at all you know, back on the on the Doge Day thing, Doge, for whatever reason, everyone said, oh, we're going to get Doge to a dollar. We're going to get Doge to a dollar. It fell. All of 420. It was just slumping down more and more and more as the day went along. It was actually amusing. But I digress. On that same day, xCloud is now available in a limited beta for Apple and PC devices, which honestly, in a weird, strange, awkward twist of fate, not the worst option in the world if you don't have a GPU. If your PC has that empty void where you're hoping to put in that new 3060, you know, all of a sudden, Stadia actually has a place in the world. And all it took was a global chip shortage. Woo! Look at you, Google. You were, you were actually ahead of the game. And all it took was pissing me off really, really hard with a global pandemic and a chip shortage. Someone in the chat says, wow, xCloud on Apple. That almost sounds like some kind of terrible sort of heresy doesn't it now i should mention that for the apple for xcloud being on the apple devices it is going to be a web app as in you have to access it on a web browser and play it through the safari browser as opposed to an app on ios because apple wanted to be a jerk about the whole thing so there is that In addition, Microsoft is ditching the requirement to have Xbox Live Gold in order to play multiplayer games that are free to play. Hey, look at that. Look at that, Xbox gamers. You're one step closer to having things that we PC gamers have had since 19 always. Good on you. Step in the right direction. Yay. Honestly, I, I'm I'm actually all in favor of this. I I really, really am. It it always came off as just like 
Oh, hey, look at that. You pay for your internet bill? Oh. He, can, can, can you pay, pay up a bit more, please? Okay, thanks. So at least my, uh, Xbox has that going for them. Now, YouTube, on the other hand, is making a uh, big update to the way they do their encoding. So the way YouTube uh, and a lot of other video hosting services work, the content creator creates their video at a certain resolution. In my personal case, it is 1080p. So the most you can actually view my content at, for example, is going to be at 1920 by 1080 since that's the highest I put it at. If, however, you have a device that can't support that, you need to downscale. This downscaling does take processing power. And the way it would work before was that this sort of thing would, my video would be uploaded, and then after it's uploaded to the servers... It would then go through a transcoding phase in which multiple different servers would convert that video into lower resolutions at, say, 480p, 720p, 720p, 60 frames per second, 1080, 30 frames per second, 1080 at 60 frames per second. And you would need it to go through multiple different servers. I pointed that in air quotes because they're going to be virtual servers on one box. To do that, well, YouTube has developed a new video codec unit. It is basically a single card that can do all of the various options of encoding at once. So all of a sudden now, you are taking the job of multiple different units... Someone in chat did correct me that there are also 360p and and 160p options. Thank you. I did forget about those. But this one card can do the job of four to five to six to seven different servers at once. That's actually incredible. All of a sudden, the actual physical space that YouTube needs to go ahead and do what they did can shrink by somewhere between 40 to 80% because one card can do the entire work of what multiple different boxes can. And that's great and all, but let me take this from a live streamer point of view. One of the biggest difficulties that me as a small live streamer has on the Twitch platform is that Availability of transcoding servers or ingest servers. Don't ask me why there's multiple different terms for, for this. It gets confusing. The availability is 
limited. Twitch specifically only gives availability based on the past performance and current viewership of the streamer. Those who actually catch me at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, when I start up a stream, they will notice I, I might do multiple rapid su- successive starts in order to try and trick Twitch into letting me have an ingest server or a transcoding server or an encoding server, depending on who you feel like talking to that day and what they feel like ta- calling it. And the reason is very simple. I just said that you need multiple different virtual servers to encode. But in the case of YouTube, now they have one card that can do it. And if they go ahead and just use an off-the-shelf server box to house these, they can have three of these ser- of these cards in one U, one server unit. And that's assuming they don't brew up a server box that's custom. And when you're owned by a company called Google, well, brewing up something custom like that is not unfeasible. No, actually, I take that back. You could fit four. There is an off-the-shelf server box that can have four GPUs in it. That actually might be the limit, too. I can't imagine they would go higher than that. So in the world of YouTube live streaming, this could be a big, underlying, big advancement in YouTube trying to overtake Twitch. That being said, though, as we saw in the last server number roundup, YouTube lost a lot of ground. But this could possibly help catch some of that up. We'll, we will just have to see next quarter. In addition, this new, upf- this new uh, upfitting of their encoding servers. Well, it's doing a couple of interesting things on mobile. Normally on mobile, when you're viewing a YouTube video, it'll give you the 89 kajillion different options for what resolution you want you want to watch it at now it instead gives you a very simplified source best picture quality or best or low bandwidth option it gives you very basic options there is also an advanced section and when you click on that then you get all of the various 160p, 360p, 480p, 720p, 1080p, 1440p, 4K, 8K, 16K, whatever the heck you're trying to watch the video at on your phone. I, for one, actually do welcome the update, despite the fact that when push comes to shove for a power user like myself, and most likely you as well, it's going to mean one additional click or tap to get to the settings we want. But at the same time, 
it does make more sense for those who are not as tech savvy. Oh, I just hit this if I want best picture quality. Oh, I just hit this if I'm having a bad signal. Easy peasy. And for that, I say, neat. You know what's not neat, though? This crash of a Tesla. This actually was, this this is actually a a story from last week, but I didn't report on it yet because there wasn't a whole lot of info. But this uh, Tesla, I believe it was a Model S, uh, crashed, caught fire, and unfortunately did in fact kill its occupants. What makes this story noteworthy though, however, is the fact that all evidence shows no one was in the driver's seat. They let the car run on autopilot and simply from the passenger seat tug on the steering wheel whenever the autopilot said please show a sign that you're alive folks there is a reason a system like this asks you to show signs that you're aware I don't care that Tesla calls it, calls it autopilot. It is not fully autonomous driving. And what is currently from Tesla considered fully autonomous driving is an early alpha. It is not ready for perfect driverless driving. Please sit in the driver's seat. Don't be stupid. It is a tragedy that this happened. But it's a tragedy that could have been very easily avoided. There is word that there is going to be a lawsuit brought against Tesla in regards to this crash. A lot of people are trying to pin the blame on this crash and tragedy on Tesla. And I'll just tell you right now it's not going to go that way tesla is not going to take the fall for this for the exact reason i just said the car tells you repeatedly stay in the driver's seat the car tells you repeatedly that you should be ready to take over at any moment it does this over and over and over again. And a lot of people want to say, oh, but it says autopilot. That means it drives the autopilot automatically. I know driver's seat, no drive, yes. No. No. It's... People are going to try and make a big deal out of this and... Again... It's not Tesla's fault this happened. It's the fault of the two people in the car for being dumb. Now, if there is more to the story that say there was someone in the driver's seat and they just 
put it in autopilot and then bailed out of the car in like some sort of weird Hollywood style murder attempt using a Tesla, then this case might go a different direction without any evidence of something crazy like what I just said there. That's how this case is going to go if a case is not immediately dismissed completely. Samsung is coming up with a new plan to try and give outdated Galaxy smartphones a second life. And this is something that Apple could take a page out of. Miss Mr. Apple company starting the first 10 minutes of their podcast or not their podcast, their announcement talking about how eco-friendly they are while simultaneously telling you that your phone is dead. Throw it out. Samsung expands its galaxy upcycling program to enable consumers to repurpose galaxy smartphones into smart home devices. I'm not going to lie. This is the first time I've heard of this program. I am intrigued. I am very curious. How well this program works. And this is definitely going to be one I'm going to keep my eyes on. Because the thought of just taking, you know, unfortunately, my last phone, it was a lease. So I couldn't keep the phone. I had to turn it in. But the thought of, say, turning my old phone into, like, say, a security camera or something like that is intriguing. Chat, however, points out a very important problem in this. And that's the fact that this entire system uses Samsung's own assistant, Bixby. Bixby, by the way is hands down, by far, without a doubt, the absolute worst piece of garbage virtual assistant that has ever blighted the planet. It is so bad, in fact, that Samsung used to have a dedicated button for it. They don't anymore. They have completely eliminated it. The only way to to hate yourself enough to use Bixby is to hold down the power button until it actually activates which then just raises the question for those who have a, who have a newer Galaxy s- smartphone. If holding down the power button is turns on Bixby, how do I turn it off? That's a very good question. I completely forgot. This phone apparently does not rust anymore. How do I turn this phone off? This actually is an important question I just asked myself. Oh, there it is. I hold down volume down and the power button. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Chat is still trying to argue that Bixby is superior to Cortana. No. I will still argue that Cortana is superior to Bixby, but not by much. Cortana at least doesn't take away my ability to shut down. Just right there. Cortana better than Bixby. 
Cortana also can hear words. Bixby hears jargon and then tries to assume that the sounds it heard are words. Just go, hey, Bixby, what's the weather like outside? I'm not sure how to blow up your garage. What? It is awful speech recognition. The worst. Meanwhile, in weird headline land, Nintendo sues Bowser. Part of me just wants to stop there and just let you fill in the blank with whatever you want. Nintendo sues Bowser. Make up your own story with that. Happy trails. Let's go home. Okay, fine. We'll go ahead and actually talk about the story. So Gary Opa Browser, it, or I'm sorry, Gary Browser. All right, let's not tongue twister ourselves. Gary Bowser, not to be confused with Bug Doug Bowser, who is the CEO of Nintendo, is a notorious Switch hacking group called Executor. Executor was, in fact, arrested for violating a whole bunch of different uh, terms of service and also committing piracy on Switch devices. And so, as a result of Team Executor's work and also selling a large number of pre-modded and pre-hacked Nintendo Switches is being sued by Nintendo. Thus giving us the headline, Nintendo sues Bowser. And no, his last name being Bowser is not, in fact, a pseudonym. Gary's pseudonym is Gary OPA. Apparently, his actual real last name is Bowser. That's two Bowsers I know know of. Gary Bowser and Doug Bowser. One of which helps run Nintendo. The other fights against Nintendo. Incredible. What an amazing, epic tale. In much more uh, troubling news, however, for the state of Blizzard. Blizzard is actually losing one of their more infamous faces. Jeff Kaplan, the director of Overwatch, has left Blizzard. Now, Overwatch has not exactly, uh, there hasn't really been any sort of major developments out of Overwatch. There's work of a franchise in the works, but for the most part, Overwatch has kind of just fallen out of the limelight in the esports community for a while. It's been having a very slow descent, but the fact that a man like Jeff Kaplan, who has been with Blizzard for 
almost 20 years is leaving and hoping to go and move on to something new. Um, it raises some eyebrows. There's been plenty of rumors over the years and plenty of vocal concerns about the state of work in Blizzard for a while, ever since Activision took over, that it's more and more about just getting the job done and who cares about how well the job is done or anything of that. That It's caused a lot of the passion that was in Blizzard to just seem absent. And now when you have someone who has been pretty like Jeff Kaplan has been the face of Overwatch, like without a doubt, whenever you hear an update, Jeff is the guy you see every single time. And just like that gone I don't think that snap was picked up on the mic it could in fact just be a mutual parting it could be there's something much worse brewing under the surface and let's be honest if there was something much worse brewing under the surface would anyone really be surprised no No, there would not. So, well, we'll just see how uh, things go for Blizzard from here on out. But, man. It does make you wonder what is going to happen with a property like Overwatch. There showed to be so much promise so much great storytelling promise and for the most part all Overwatch seemed to do was be laser focused on esports and anything else regarding the game it must suffer with that note We go to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. The entire University of Minnesota has been banned from the Linux kernel development maintenance team. The entire college forbidden from ever submitting any code, any patches, any anything to Linux. Why? What did the college do to deserve being barred from ever being allowed to work with the great Tux the Penguin? One guy submitted bad code to see what would happen. 
That's it. One guy. One delinquent coder got the entire University of Minnesota banned from ever contributing to the Linux kernel ever. Holy cow. If I I knew it was that easy to get completely kicked out of the Penguin Society. Hmm. How can we use this to our advantage? That is the real question question we need to ask ourselves. I just find it amusing. That of course, I mean, it doesn't affect the college for the most part. The Linux development community community of the college is probably not that big. You're talking a subsection of a subsection of a subsection. But that means, let's even say that you were just nobody. You were just like some random person. And you were just like, I want to go ahead and uh, borrow the campus's Wi-Fi to go ahead and submit this patch I just found. You can't. You have to go and find another spot. Or you got to go ahead and take out your phone, tether your phone to your computer or whatever to go upload the patch because freaking delinquent Doug over there decided to go ahead and submit a meme patch to Linux and got the whole campus blacklisted from Linux. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and please, I do encourage you, check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which aired wherever you found this podcast. And like I said, this is going to be the last podcast that we upload through the speaker system. We will be switching to Anchor starting next week. The Early Bird Briefings will also be airing through the Anchor system. It will not change wherever you listen to this podcast. You will still be able to listen to it on iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on everywhere. It should not affect any of that. Or, you know, if you ever want updates, check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and hopefully I will see you next time. Okay, so if submitting one line of code gets me banned from the Linux kernel, and keep in mind, that's open source, so that's open to everyone, I have to ask, what do I have to do to get a campus banned from Apple? Hmm. There is the real question we need to be asking ourselves.
Also, now that they're banned from Linux, what what other indie platform can we go? No, wait, no. Linux powers everything, doesn't it? Does that mean they're banned from Android too? Man, University of Minnesota. That's where you go if you want to be devoid of all technology. Modern leaders. It's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.